22 minutes after 7 p.m., you tuned in to Metro FM Talk here on the Mighty Metro. We take a look at the latest out in the world of business, and I'm joined on the line to do so by Kanya Zululega, co-founder out at Satana Capital. Kanya, good evening. Welcome. Hello. Kanya. Oh, uh, hi. Hey, was libelling. Are you sure? Huh? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hi, hi, how's it going? Fine, thanks. Yourself? No, doing very well, thank you. Caught me off guard there. Ah, call, man, call, call. Look, uh, somebody else who seems to have been caught off guard, or another firm that's been caught off guard, is Transaction Capital. Um, you know, it's so interesting when you read mm. these announcements, just isn't that they use, right? So they say mm. here, well, you know, on SA Taxi, we had thought what uh, was happening and the headwinds we were facing were cyclical. So as a function just of where the business cycle is, you know, are we, you know, in a trough? Is it a tough economic environment that's set to change? Mm. And now they are saying, no, no, this thing is structural, which uh, means something entirely different. Um, how did the market take that? Yeah, I mean, I exactly what you, you're saying. Um, you know, sometimes I, I wish that, you know, you can find some of the guys who write these statements because they are so eloquent and so articulate. I think we need to interview you one really, of them. Yeah, yeah actually. We, we really need to actually get those skills. They're very important in life because mm. as I was reading it, um, you know, having seen the fact that, you know, um, the share price literally just crashed, um, you know, it was down 40% at some stage and I think it closed um, down 37% or so. And so you go through the statement and you, if you don't actually go through it in its complete entirety, you would be left wondering why the market reacted so negatively. But then you get to the point where they actually speak about the fact that when it comes to SA Taxi, provision coverage is expected to go from 4% to 15%. So I think, you know, you can try as much as you can to make those kinds of figures look good, mm. um, but they just, you know, they, they're not great. And even we buy, um, you know, a lot of people have, you know, asked a lot of questions around the business model, um, you know, and they've come out today sort of confirming what a lot of people have been asking around, you know, how good are the margins and, you know, how well is, you know, the business model because it's quite a, um, you know, operational cost-intensive business. Like you find the we buy mm. little container things everywhere now. Do you know what I mean? And then they've got the huge distribution center as well. Um, so, yeah, I mean, really, really hectic times, management, trying as much as possible to try and spin this into a, you know, um, recovery story for the medium term. But I do think that, you know, the market re- reacting in the right way to say that your core business was taxi owners. Mm. Um, it was mobility. And, you know, you guys need to now go back and actually reassure the market on that. Yeah. Talk to me about that finance and insurance offering, because I guess, you know, mm. transaction capital, yes, a big part of it is around SA Taxi and what's happening in the minibus taxi lending arena, you know, um, and of course, what subsequently happens to the taxi bosses, fuel price increases, mm. costs of, you know, uh, 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 parts, accessories and spares, which might go up because of the global supply chain challenges and so on. All of those things have a bearing on the ability of the taxi owners to pay SA Taxi. Mm. So all good and well. But what about the other divisions? How, how has We Buy Cars done? How did that collections and recoveries business do? 
So, I mean, we buyers, they've come out and they say that the earnings are expected to drop, but, but no more than 20%. Mm. Um, and really, some of the reasons that they are pointing out is the fact that for 2020, the benefit really came from the fact that, you know, there were supply chain issues, chip shortage issues globally, which then made um, used car sales sort of the go-to. Um, but, you know, with the recovery now in new car production as well as sales, that's impacting them. And then, obviously, the interest rates, the inflation, the fuel prices and the like. Um, and then when they speak about the other divisions, which is effectively their risk management position, um, basically the guys are acting by you. They, they, that division that basically deals with the repossession mm. and, um, and handling that, you know, they speak very well. That owner, oh, it's, you know, it's doing well. But I mean, my question is, if you are really struggling in, in terms of you, your, your current book, um, you know, how well is that book that, you know, you're now moving to a new division going to do? What's going to be different? Um, and I don't think that in that statement they adequately dealt with those questions about how are they actually going to deal with these non-performing loans. But they speak very well. They didn't give specific numbers about how those divisions have done, but mm. they said they're doing well. And then when it comes to your insurance and your lending, um, the GOMO offering, um, they're also quite bullish there. Um, quite an interesting, um, you know, statement that they came out saying that they are working with a funder that's going to come on and provide the funding off of its balance sheet. So effectively, um, um, uh, transaction capital won't be facing credit risk. Uh, but I do think, you know, that funder will be looking at these results to say that, okay, I'm leaning on your capabilities as well as your intellectual property um, to make this work. Mm. And um, how much confidence can I have um, now that we know that, you know, like I said, your provision coverage is expected to go from 4% to 15%. Um, your ECL provisioning is going to be up by about 700 million rands. Uh, and the net realizable value of their repossessed vehicles is also, you know, is, is, is also expected to be done by about 150 million rand. So all around, really not great results. And um, I think that, you know, the team is going to really have to work hard in the second half of the financial year mm. to recover. You know, and I guess there's probably the other dynamic here, which is, you know, to what degree... I'm trying to understand, you know, they say as a result of this being a structural challenge that is facing their main you know, uh, profit driver in the last while, they are now going to restructure the size of that offering. Uh, I'm not sure if that's saying you're going to restructure the size of your OPEX or it's going to restructure and change and make more stringent some of your lending criteria, uh, which, um, you know, might be responding, I guess, to a greater hardship on the part of the underlying clients. Mm. So I, I think that really what they are speaking to is the SA, sto- the SA taxi story, the impact, the financial inclusion story is mm. the fact that they are making lending available to entrepreneurs who have previously been locked out by your traditional banks. And so now if you come out and you say that, okay, something's not working in the way in which I'm assessing um, these particular individuals mm. and I therefore need to be much more stringent. 
you know, when you're running a lending business, there's a lot of questions you now need to ask yourself. What does that mean for your distribution? What does that mean for your loan book? What does that mean for growth? I mean, one of the notes that, um, you know, they, one of the things they made a note of mm. that, you know, everyone in the market was aware of is the fact that quite a lot of their loans have been lent against refurbished and repossessed taxis. Um, and they had like quite a lot of investment in the refurbishment and, um, you know, basically making all taxis new. And that was going at about 600 cars per month. And now they're looking to downsize that. They're looking to sort of like, you know, um, you move out of that and then take themselves back to 220 cars um, being refurbished on a monthly basis. So I think, you know, it's about them now saying that, okay, we're going to focus on very high-quality credit risk, but in the space that you are in, Mm. how possible is that, and will that not actually limit your ability to grow? Let's come to another, I guess, yeah, lending-heavy business, home choice. Um, Mm. Yeah, it seems, you know, walk-in, retail sales down significantly uh, on the part of this entity that used to, Hand over catalogs, Gomamabe to the night frill, and uh, you know, uh, it wasn't only to Vey and uh, yeah, you know, Atlas Protector, Comfort, Tibalandoni. Yeah. It seems the big part of the business now is buy now, pay later, registering 260% growth. And I anticipate that if uh, c- consumer incomes remain constrained, that we might see this buy now, pay later segment. Uh, breaching that uh, 1 billion rand in turnover mark uh, from a gross merchandise value perspective. What do you make of that? So, I mean, it's 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 actually quite fascinating how well they've done with their fintech platform. Mm. Um, and it's been quite strategic because globally, when it comes to innovative financial inclusion plays, it's been shown, you know, through various... Uh, you know, research papers as well as through people actually going out into practice and lending that if you're dealing predominantly with women, particularly when it comes to lending, uh, you know, you're going to have greater success. Um, And so if you have a look at that, 65%, I think, of their customers are women and it's growing. It's growing substantially. 85% of the operating profit now coming from that FinTech platform. Um, it surprised me on the buy now, pay later offering. I'm not going to lie. If you look at the headlines globally, a lot of buy now, pay later um, businesses are coming under significant pressure and they're just not doing well. Uh, whereas with them, margins, you know, appear to be good. And, you know, the, the, the value of that buy now, pay later, um, you know, platform is growing. Mm. So they've done well. Uh, and I think that at this particular point in time, they can only grow further cost base is low because everything is digital. Really impressed with the fact that they've been able to to really bring the consumers along because um, often the narrative is that in South Africa, digital is going to be hard mm. because you're going to have to do a lot of customer education. But it just goes to show that perhaps um, what you're offering just doesn't work. Um, and, you know, for them... They they offering you know the the, the shoes and um and all of that. They're mm. also giving people the opportunity to then um, buy it and you know pay it over in installments. So it's working and yeah, it's a really really great story. Surprised that the share price did not move at all. Um, you know closed flat. Uh, but I think that maybe they are still in, like in terms of market market capitalization quite small. Um, you know for 
for, for, for a lot of investors. But yeah, the, the management team has, has done super well when it comes to this business. Yeah, yeah. We also saw, I guess, talking about some of this um, uh, homeware, uh, manufacturing and production sales numbers coming in for January. And of course, January is always the month. Uh, January, um, on the sales side of things, we're probably not going to see people buying a lot. Uh, but what for me was quite, um, I guess, of interest is some of the sectors that led the decline. Um, automotive sector down significantly, and of course, uh, also uh, when it comes to some of the metallic products, uh, also down as well. Mm, yeah, so not good news for, for, for the country. Um, you know, it, it really just increases the risk of us entering into a technical recession. Um, so, yeah, ma- manufacturing output is basically down 3.7% year-on-year and 1.1% month-on-month. Um, and, yeah, a lot of that's coming from... And I think that, you know, obviously load shedding is is playing a huge role in that. Um, But at at the end of the day, the expectation was that the decrease was going to be about 5.1% year on year. So there is a bit of good news there, but we still need to to do a bit more. And I think when it comes to manufacturing in this country, besides load shedding and the really bad impact that it's having, we also have a lot of policy uncertainty Mm. in key matters. And one of those being how is South Africa going to maintain its position, its leading position, might I add, particularly when it comes on the African continent, as the manufacturer of vehicles as the world now moves to electronic, to, to, to EVs. Mm. Um, so, you know, the government has, has um, not done well in terms of showing the readiness to do what needs to be done to reskill, to bring in the necessary skills and the like. Um, and so, you know, we, we have that. And I think that, you know, if you look at, you know, the fact that global recession seems to be looming, we need to eliminate as many limiting factors and headwinds internally as we can so that we can then be able to have clear minds to deal with the stuff that's not in our control. Mm-hmm. Look, I mean, I think the other dynamic, uh, and of course there are some good stories in this data print, um, albeit off of a lower base from product categories with a much lower weighting. Um, mm. And, uh, you know, one of the ones that I found quite interesting is the furniture. Uh, so this is just on the production mm. side of things. Uh, furniture mm. uh, up 15.5 index points from uh, this time last year, so January of 2022. Significant mm. surge there. Uh, and similarly, we also saw, I guess, um, you know, some improvement in chemical products and uh, also some wood-based products as well. So uh, it does seem that, I guess, there are parts of the manufacturing sector that did see some good production in the period. But if we look at sales, uh, the picture doesn't doesn't look good at all. Um, and in the case of automotive sector, it might seem uh, that uh, the uh, percentage change quarter on quarter. Um, so if you look August to October and maybe... Um, you know, mm. November to around January 2023. The sales were mm. up, but production had gone down, which suggests uh, that many auto manufacturers were sitting on inventories. Mm. Mm. Yeah, um, it, 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 you know, it, it sort of 
ties into what we also saw in the GDP print as well when it comes mm. to inventory. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think that at the end of the day, we need to to sort out, you know, if things are slow shedding. Um, and, yeah, moving forward, I don't think that, you know, we are going to be able to um, grow numbers across mm. the board, not just manufacturing, even like in the mining space. Yeah, we saw the um, same, I mean, coming out today. Yeah, we saw my, some mining production mm. numbers as well coming out saying uh, some of our big commodity groups, I mean, PGM's production down significantly. Yeah, a little chatting. Yeah, yeah, no, it, it's a lot. And we still don't seem to have a plan being put together, but hopefully within the next couple of, of days, it will become clear. Yeah, certainly hope so, because if indeed this trend of uh, declining quarter-on-quarter production continues, we'll, uh, you can expect start to see some retrenchments, and uh, that never makes anybody happy. Uh, but uh, yeah, indeed. I mean, so uh, Kanya, just uh, I guess as uh, we look at some of the uh, other stories and, and uh, as we wrap up, um, Zimbabwe joining the likes, as, as I said earlier, on joining the likes of Indonesia uh, in announcing an export ban of a commodity they have in abundance. Uh, well, maybe abundance relative to other people, because we know Australia and Chile probably have much more. Uh, globally, but on the continent, Zimbabwe, probably the lead producer of lithium, the stuff that goes into batteries, mm. they join Indonesia, which uh, did the same insofar as their nickel exports are concerned a while ago, uh, saying we're not going to ban the export of the stuff raw, we want to add value to it locally. What do you make of the story? Mm. Yeah, so I think that the unfortunate thing is, um, you know, Zimbabwe definitely doesn't have the same, you know, PR guy that uh, Transaction Capital has. Um, <laughs> and, uh, sure, sure. <laughs> um, and that's unfortunate, right? Because mm. I promise you, if anything comes out of like the Zimbabwean government, people are immediately going to say... People oh, switch oh, off, even if it's a good idea. Again. Exactly. And the truth of the matter is, um, you know, Zimbabwe basically has the fifth, if not the sixth largest lithium ore reserves mm. in the world. And where we are going, you know, as a world, the government is right to say that let's capture as much value as we possibly can mm. in the country. And I don't think that's an unreasonable demand. Um, and I think that, you know, that is something that, you know, should be encouraged. Yeah, yeah. But having said that, it's a difficult one. There are nuances. Mm. There are questions it's around never easy. You know, the governance. Mm. It's never easy, right? And that's why I'm saying that, Perhaps, you know, it's it's also just about how do you actually approach these things without taking such a hard stance and mm. maybe behind the scenes there was some negotiation that mm. isn't clear to the public. But to then take a hard stance of saying I'm banning exports, it does make people feel uneasy. But the idea of saying let's actually build the country up. Mm. Let's not have a situation where we have the all leaving and then all this value then being added Mm. in other parts of the world let's do that here it's not unreasonable it's possible they have the skill and yeah i think it's it's something that should be encouraged but perhaps the approach can Mm. be tweaked here and there look here's an interesting thing i mean the lithium exports from zimbabwe largely go to china and south africa and Mm -hmm. and if the signal that the zimbabwean government wants to send is one that says you who are buying it in South Africa and you who are buying it in, in China, uh, if you want to access some of the stuff, come here and set up some elementary right through to some varying degrees of complexity of processing. But set up some processing here 
Um, I don't really think it's a bad idea, especially for us in light of the AFC FTA. We don't have a lot of lithium, but we certainly do have a lot of the intellectual property to process lithium. So, Kanya, pause there for me for a second. We're going to take a quick spot break. When we come back, I want us to just talk a bit more about this one as uh, we, uh, I guess, uh, yeah, try and make sense of the latest coming out of uh, the Arare government, which has now said uh, they're going to ban the export of lithium. As And uh, some people are saying this has triggered a stockpile buildup. It might also lead to processing out in the Southern African nation. It's our business wrap uh, where we take a look at the latest coming out in the markets. And of course, we were talking just before we took that break about the uh, lithium uh, export ban out of uh, Zimbabwe. And uh, yeah, many of you, I guess, uh, responding earlier on today as I shared that, uh, you know, as Willy Kungler is saying, how the tables have turned. I'm not sure what that was meant by that. Or maybe he's saying the world now is in need of the lithium uh, or battery minerals coming out of uh, Zimbabwe uh, when they've certainly given Zimbabwe a cold shoulder for a long time. And the petty guy saying at this point, besides the sanctions, Zim's future looks a bit brighter than ours. Hmm, okay. And uh, Praedi, Edi Rakabe on Twitter saying, uh, that's exactly why Indonesia has a low trade share as a percentage of GDP compared to some of its neighbors. Uh, without the local technology and the manufacturing capacity, these restrictions are futile. They'll need much more than strive Masiwa to beat uh, Elon Musk's technology. And uh, Latabo saying, now this is hilarious. Uh, yeah. So uh, I'm not sure, I guess, uh, what you make of this, uh, Kanya, some of these comments. I do think, though, that the comment Eddie was making is is indeed correct, that it's not just enough to have the mineral and then say we'll Mm. ban the export of the mineral and miraculously people will come and process the stuff here. Goes back to the point I was Mm. making earlier on. At least in South Africa, we do have some intellectual property around lithium battery fabrication. uh, And, of course, China would also have that kind of technology so too with other countries in the global north you know in the eu Mm. the united states and so on Uh, and i guess it's when these two things come together the endowment the technology and of course the processing potentially that um uh, you know some value can be created where some of the stuff is mined rather than you know the colonial features of you know our mining and plantation economies where things just get shipped out as raw as they are Mm. Mm. No, I mean, I, I definitely agree that, um, you know, continentally, and you did mention the uh, the African free trade agreement, right, and what mm. that actually means and how this is actually an opportunity to pilot or to actually really partner deeply on something that can have, um, you know, opportunities of great scale for all parties. However, I mean, I think we know that, you know, over the years, relations between the the two countries haven't always been easy um and i think that you know potentially that can be something where we can see that uh, it it, it might not be as easy and it would be a shame because Mm. to your point we have the ip so why look elsewhere it wouldn't make sense however it, it hasn't been really a relationship that has continued to be strengthened over the years um xenophobic attacks you know, happening here and there. So let's, uh, you know, hope that, you know, sanity does prevail. But from my perspective, I do think that the government of Zimbabwe is thinking in the right direction. It's just about putting those practical steps and executing it now that we don't actually find, you know, the the, the country in a position whereby they're making mistakes that actually cost them Mm. way much more in the long term. Yeah, yeah. I certainly hope that that doesn't happen. But Kanya? We leave it here for tonight. Always a pleasure catching up with you. Thank you very much for your time.
Thank you so much. Cheers. Cheers.